So in James chapter number four, uh, we uh, look and start at verse number seven. And we left off here on last week uh, uh, in this particular uh chapter because we are looking at the book of James and it gives us some key application concepts as it relates to faith because to journey through the wall guys we got to do it by faith all right we got to do it by faith the text says this so humble yourselves before God resist the devil and he will what flee from you verse number eight let's read come close to God and God will come close to you Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 9 and 10 says what? Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up in honor. Praise the Lord today. Again, the key thought that we uh, pulled out from this particular sector uh, as, it relates, as it relates to faith, the key thought is true faith manifests itself in all areas of life. Everybody say true faith. Say not fake faith. Say true faith manifests itself in all areas of life. Manifest means to make known, to make plain, to be able to, to see clearly. True faith manifests itself in all areas of life, including the fair treatment of others, how one speaks to others, one's attitude toward money, patience in the midst of suffering, and much more. True faith will make itself known. You don't have to go and look for it. It'll show up when it's real. Amen? And so we talked about the fact that we need true faith to journey through the wall because what did we say the wall was? What is a wall? A wall is an event. It's a situation. It's a circumstance that turns our world upside down. How many of y'all have had some walls in your life since you've been born again? Amen. It, it's, it's an event that a situation or circumstance that turns our world upside down. It may come through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a loved one, a cancer diagnosis, church hurt. Anybody ever been hurt in the church before? Amen. A betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, a loss of joy in our relationship with God. And I'm, you know, that last one now, I think sometimes we don't really catch it, but, but there are people sitting here in this church, I believe right now, who are saved, who are here, but they've lost their joy in their relationship with God. In other words, you're here and you look the part, you lift your hand and say amen, but somewhere on the inside of you, you don't have no joy with your relationship with God. I don't know about anybody else, but I've decided a long time ago that the joy of the Lord is my strength and that I don't care what's happening around me. I don't care what's happening in this pandemic-induced recession that we have, that I am going to still have joy because my God is still on the throne. Can I get a witness up in here? So when you lose the joy in your relationship, it's kind of like a wall because it's like you're just wondering and not really uh, centered and not really focused, guys. So we got to get to that point where we realize that it's going to take faith to journey through the wall. Now, li- listen to these key concepts. Here's what we learned in our study, guys. Number one, ultimately, God is the one who moves us through the wall. Everybody say, God is the one who moves us 
through the wall, through that situation, through that circumstance, through that heartache, through that pain, through that loss. It is God that moves us through it. And I've told you before and I'll tell you again, even though God may not have sent it, he'll use it to help purify and transform us. We discovered when we talk about uh, in the book of James, if we look at the key application concept, one of the things we said is that the trials and tests that come in our life help to refine our faith. It helps to make it more pure, more, more strong. It, make, it helps our faith become stronger and more productive. Can I get a witness? So, but ultimately, God is the one who moves us through the wall. Second thing we discovered was is how and when God takes us through is up to him. Everybody say How? And when God takes us through, it's up to him. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you, can I be honest about me? If it was up to me, my wall would last about two seconds. Anybody else in the house? In other words, that, that tough situation, that, that journey of faith, that, that moving through that wall, that, that situation that I don't like, I would let it stay for a little while and say, okay, I learned my lesson. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that, guys, there are many times that, that we don't even know how, how deeply flawed we are, and God has to show us ourselves. But the time through it, how and when God takes us through the wall, it's not up to us, but it's up to him. Because I don't know about you, but I probably would take a shortcut. We all be honest with me. Come on, let me see the hands of all y'all who say, well, Pastor, I would cut across the track. I would, cut, I, I would get out of that, that, that situation real quickly. But through that situation, God is trying to mold us. He's trying to shape us. He's trying to refine us to get us to where he wants us to be. Third thing we learned was we make choices to trust God, to wait on God, to obey God, to stick with God, to remain faithful when everything in us wants to quit and run. We make the choice. You make the choice to stick with God. Everybody say stay with God. Say it again. Say stay with God. You have to choose to do that because it's too easy when you're going through the wall. It's too easy when you have conflict, when you have heartache, when you have that situation in your life that turns your world upside down. It's too easy to go run and hide. And some of y'all are runners and hiders. You pull back into your corner. You don't bother, you, don't, you get away from around people. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you alone so no, nobody can encourage you. Nobody can, can be there to pray you through it. And he, he starts messing with your mind. He starts telling you, no, nobody like you. He starts telling you all kind of crazy stuff that comes from out of nowhere. And then you sit there alone, not reading word, pulled away from God, not coming to church, not being engaged. Or if you are in church, you're not engaged. So you're not listening to the word being preached. It's all of a sudden, all those thoughts come to your mind and begin to get down in your heart. And so when they get down in your heart, they do what? Come bubbling out of your mouth. The Bible says, bring every fault into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. That means that every thought that I have and every thought that you have has to be filtered. Everybody say, filter me, Lord. Because every word or every thought that comes in my mind is not God-ordained. I don't care how saved you are. You can speak in other tongues. You can be at church every Sunday. But there's some crazy thoughts that will come to your mind. Can I get a witness? Any of y'all had a crazy thought this past week? No, come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Any of y'all had a crazy thought since the year started? How many of y'all had a crazy thought last year? I know you had plenty of them last year. See, we got to bring the faults into captivity until the obedience of Christ. Because if we don't do that, 
the enemy will, will, will just hijack our thought process. Look, look at this last thing we learned. We said this, but it is his slow, deep work of transformation in us, not ours. Because it was ours, we try to transform right away. But God says, I got to take you through some things sometimes in order to refine you and get you to where I need you to be. Well, how do we know we are making progress or we are on the other side of the wall? Well, we have to, number one, we, we learn we have to have a greater level of brokenness. Everybody say a greater level of brokenness. You know, uh, uh, when, when, you're, when you're broken, that means that you, you, you stop trying to do life on your own. You stop, you stop, you stop trying to, to figure everything out on your own. You, you let pride go and let God come to the throne. Can I get a witness? Everybody say, let pride go and put God on the throne. The Bible says pride goeth what? Before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction. One thing the Bible says that God hates is a proud look. Now, now that means, that don't mean that you don't have pride in some of the things that you do, but that's, and, and that, that's, that's what we call godly pride and then there's sinful pride. Sinful pride means I'm stuck on myself. I'm thinking it's all about me. It's what I want, what I want to do, and forget about what God wants. See, guys, we, when, when we have a greater level of brokenness, we set pride aside. And then we learn how to move and we know how to flow with God's word and we trust his plan for our life. Also, we can, when we, we know we're broken when, we, when we're not easily offended any longer. How many of y'all used to be easily offended by people? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want you to embarrass yourself in the, in the house. There are people who are easily offended. And when you're easily offended, that means that you're not really broken because you hadn't understood that, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer some persecution. You're going to face some heartaches and pain, but you learn how, come on, to move through that wall. You learn how, and you know that you're moving through that wall when you're not easily offended any longer. So we have a greater level of brokenness. We've, we discovered, number two, we have a greater appreciation for holy unknown. In other words, the mysteries of life. Again, in our book, the author said this, and I, I believe this to be true, most of the time, everybody say most of the time. Say most of the time. Come on, say it. Say most of the time. Say it most of the time. We have no idea what God is doing. In other words, in specific. Now, we know God loves us. We know he walks with us. But I'm here to tell you, there's some things that happened in my life that, that I thought that was the worst thing in the world. But then, after all, when it, when, when it was all said and done, that thing became one of the greatest blessings in my life. Because I didn't know that God was using that thing that I thought was terrible to refine me and to get me to see myself so that I could begin to walk in concert with his word. And I'm, I'm sure you can sit there right now and think of at least two things that you said, man, I thought that was the worst thing in the world. But when I look back over my life, all right, my hindsight, huh? Come on, it's 2020. And I don't let my hindsight be my children's foresight. I like that. Guys, because again, when we look back over our life, it, it's, there's so many things that happen. Y'all remember in the, in the book we read this story, the, the story was related, uh, but a, a story about a, a, a wise man who, who was living on one of China's uh, uh, frontiers. And one day, for no apparent reason, his son's horse ran away and was taken by the nomads across the borders. And then everybody came to that man and said, oh, that's a bad thing that your son's horse was taken away. But then a few months later, that horse came back and that horse came back and he had been mating with a mare, if y'all know what I mean. And he brought back some stallions with him. 
And those stallions came back with him. Everybody said, well, that's a good thing that the horse ran away because had the horse not ran away, he would not have got with the mare. Is it the mare? Any horse folks in the house? Okay, that's a female horse, isn't it? Come on. Katie, you know somebody's some horse, right? All right, so he, he came back with some stallions. Everybody said, that's a good thing that he ran away. Huh? Then, again, guess what happened, guys? Then the boy was riding the horse, and the horse threw the boy, and he fell over and broke his shoulder. And when he fell over and broke his shoulder, everybody said, it's a bad thing that horse came back. Right? Because he done broke the son's shoulder. Had the, the horse not came back, the son's shoulder wouldn't have broke. Well, then war broke out, and the son couldn't go to war, and nine out of every piece of it, Nine out of every man in that village that went to war died in the war, but the boy didn't die in the war because his shoulder was broken. Everybody said, it's a good thing. Come on. That the boy, horse came back and threw him off, off, off so he, his shoulder was broken. He didn't have to go to war. You see how the perspective changes? See, in life, a lot of times, God, we look at things in a vacuum, but God looks at the totality of our life. He's looking from, from Alpha to Omega, from beginning to end. And there are some things that happen in your life in isolation. It looks like the most terrible thing in the world. But when you put it together with whatever else is God working in your life, then you begin to look back and say, you listen, I believe what Romans 8 and 28 says, all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord to those who are the called according to his purpose. So, guys, we got, to, we got to understand that that it's critically important for us to begin to, to trust God no matter what's going on in our life. So we have a greater level of brokenness, a greater appreciation for a holy unknown. In other words, there are some mysteries in this life. Some stuff we don't understand until we look back on it. There's a song that they sing, by and by, when the morning come. Oh, y'all are so, y'all are so bougie now. You don't even remember that? All the saints of God gather home. We will tell the story how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Oh, by and by when the morning come. Oh. What are we going to We will tell the story how we overcome. And we'll understand it better by and some stuff you're going to understand better by and by. You may not understand it while you're going through it, but learn how to trust God and know that he will provide. Man, I've learned it in my life. I've learned not to question God from the standpoint of, of, of questioning his sovereignty because he is sovereign. He knows exactly where I am. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you are going through. Can I get a witness? But I've learned how to trust him. The third thing we learned was a deeper ability to wait for God. We, how do you know you're getting through the wall when you have a deep ability to wait for God? Don't get ahead of him. And lastly, which we said number four was a greater detachment. A greater detachment. No, detachment means that I'm, I'm, I'm no longer attached to things in my life. Uh, to the point to where I allow those things to overcome me. In other words, those things are put in place in, in, in my life and I hold on to those things so that I won't pursue after God. Listen, uh, compared to our love for God, our love for our parents ought to be like hate. That's what Jesus said. He, he wasn't saying that you hate your parents, but what he was saying is your commitment to God has to be so strong that if mama don't go, I'll go. If daddy don't go, I'm going to go. If my wife doesn't go, I'm going to go. 
Are y'all listening to me today? So, so we got we got to realize that that there's a detachment that comes when we go through the wall because we learn that nothing is, is is should rank higher than my relationship with my God. Can I get a witness? So the key application concepts uh, that we learned about faith from Jane. Let's continue. We 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 were almost completing these, and we're down to the one we said on last week. We said a worldly attitude can distract you away from faith in God. A worldly attitude can distract you from a faith. In God, if you want to be a worldly person, what's a worldly person? A worldly person is someone who clings to what society says, what everybody else is saying. If you want to be a worldly person, focusing on prideful, selfish pursuit of earthly pleasures, you are no true friend of God. You would not be a true friend of God if you are pursuing the things of the world. The Bible says you can't, you cannot love God and 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 do the things that are that are lined up with the world's way of thinking. God says the person who comes to him has to believe that he is and he's a reward of him that diligently seek him. But he also says this, that those who are born of God does not do not practice sin. So if I'm going to be a friend of God, I have to detach myself from the worldly influences. Can I get a witness? I got to detach myself from the worldly influences. Now, if you go back and look at let's look at James. Uh, we'll, we'll read James chapter four again. Uh, and I want to look at verses uh, 11 and 12, and I'll, I'll read this, and we, when we get back, we'll pop back up in just a second. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is to judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Now what he's talking about here is what right do you have to judge whether that person is going to heaven or hell? Again, we, we, we saw last week that, that in the church we ought to judge believers in the church who are sinning. But we're sitting back sometimes and we spend all of our time looking at people out, outside the church. And God says, let's focus on what's going on here. Because if we get... If we get it right in here, we'll be able to influence those that are out there. Can I get a witness? So it's critically important. So, so part of, part of being able to do that is, is in our ability, we got to draw close to God. And Jane gave us five suggestions for drawing close to God. And I want to just hit these real quick and we're going to move right along. Number one, he tells us submit to God. You got to submit to him. Realize that you need his forgiveness and be willing to follow him. Now, guys, I got, I, I, got, I got news for you. You are not following God if you don't follow his word. I got to say that again. You are not following God. I don't care how long you've been baptized. I don't care how long your name's been on the church roll. You are not following God if you're not following his word. You may be saved, but you're not following God. And see, that's what was happening in the Corinthian church and in some of the other churches that was, that was, they, they, they were spiritual babies and they were not very effective because they allowed the things of the world to greatly influence their walk with God. So, but it's the word of God that remains true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand. And guys, in a lot of our churches today, there's not good, strong Bible teaching and Bible preaching any longer. People want to have a feel good message. They want to have a self-help message. Now listen, I, there are times for us to be encouraged by the word of God because every time I open the Bible, I'm encouraged. But there are going to be times that when we preach the word of God that we have to deal with family issues in the church, right? 
And that means that every, every, every message won't be just to build you up to get you to, to the point to where you're feeling good about who you are because you need to know who you are in Christ. It's, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's, I need to know that. I need to know that I'm the head, the tail, I'm above and not beneath. I need to know that. But I also need to know that I shouldn't go out smoking weed. I also need to know I shouldn't go out committing adultery. I also need to know that I shouldn't go around gossiping in person or via social media. I need to understand that those are things that as a believer that I shouldn't walk in because, and that's a multiplicity of sin that's out there, uh, but, but we got to make sure that, that we are following God's word when it's revealed to us, guys. So submit to God. Realize that you, that you need his forgiveness and be willing to follow him. I know I need the Lord's forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I need him to forgive me every day because I don't, I'm, I don't do everything right. Can I talk to you again? I said, I don't do everything right. There are times when I mess up, I miss the mark. That's where sin is. Sin is, a, is in its original root word, it was an archery term. So when you pull back the bow and you let the arrow go, if you miss the mark, they will, call, they will holler, sin. All right? So all of us in here, if we're honest about it, we miss the mark sometimes, don't we? And we miss the mark, what do, y'all, what do we all holler? Sin! Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be, well, it wouldn't be awesome, I don't guess. If there was a voice that came out the sky every time we sin. Because while y'all sitting here right now, some of y'all thinking sin. And all of a sudden, while I'm preaching it, sin be coming up from over here. Sin over there in the corner back there. Sin. Guys, listen, we need the Lord's forgiveness. So submit to God. Resist. Number two, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Don't allow him to entice and attempt you. The devil, the devil, uh, He's our adversary. He's Beelzebub. He's he's the enemy. And he comes to try to entice us away from the things of God, from the word of God. He will tell you that Pastor Adams preached too long, so don't go to church there. He'll tell you, go find a church where you can be in and out in 35 minutes because after all, this is 2021. We got to move. We got to go. Don't nobody, be, no, nobody pays attention. We need to learn how to start paying attention. Isn't it amazing how we can pay attention and stroll through Facebook and Twitter for hours on end, being nosy? But then when we come to church, well, you know, Reb, I'm going to give you 30 minutes, but after 30 minutes, it's time to go. And think about what we're saying. What we're saying is, is that spiritual warfare which all of us are engaged in if we are Christians, my spiritual warfare is not important enough for me to learn how to fight spiritually. So, so, but, so, so I don't want you to spend any time beyond what's this. I want to hear some good singing and give me 30 minutes and I'm gone. To prepare you for spiritual warfare, don't you realize that you're in a fight with the devil? You're in a fight with the one who, who's in, 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 oh, the, in the pits of hell who's trying to destroy your life. You better learn how to do spiritual warfare because you can't fight a spiritual devil or a, something that you can't see with, with earthly weapons. You need, amen, spiritual weapons. And if you come here, I'm going to teach you how to fight. Now, it's going to be up to you to fight. You're going to know how to fight. You're going to know that you got the weapons, but, but it's going to be up to you to pull them out and use them. 
Some of y'all still trying to fight like you did in the old days. You're going to get some folks in gang up. No, no, no. See, the devil's going to come after you. And you got to renew your mind and be prepared to wage spiritual warfare. So resist the devil. Number three, lead a pure life. Be cleansed from sin, replacing it with God's purity. Lead a pure life. Number four, show sorrow and grief for your sins. Don't be afraid to express deep, heartfelt sorrow for them. The Bible says this, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Everybody say godly sorrow leads to repentance. What am I saying there? If you're if you are sorrowful with godly sorrow, it'll lead you to a repentant state. If someone tells you that they are sorry, but they continue to do the same thing, they have not experienced godly sorrow. Because godly sorrow leads to repentance. Are y'all listening to me today? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. So if I'm still doing the same thing, I haven't got it on the inside. Godly sorrow has not taken place because it'll, it'll, it'll change my actions. How many of y'all have ever been in a relationship with somebody who told you I ain't going to do it again? How many of y'all have been in a relationship with somebody who promised you this is the last time? I'm not going to cheat on you again. But they did again. I'm not going to lie to you again. But they did it again. That person doesn't understand what godly sorrow is. When you're godly sorrow, sorrowful, your heart hurts. Your heart bleeds because you knew and you know you hurt the heart of God by indulging in behavior that was not conducive to what his word taught you. And so if you continue to do the same thing, you have not repented. And godly sorrow leads to repentance. Saying I'm sorry that, that I hurt your feelings doesn't mean that that's godly sorrow. Godly sorrow takes place when we turn away from that thing. Amen? So show sorrow and grief for your sins. Let it be godly sorrow. And, and, and number five, humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Go to 1 Peter 5 with me right quick, guys. 1 Peter 5, verse number 5. Let's look at this real quickly. The Lord can use a person who's humble. God can take somebody who may not be the most talented, may not be the smartest, may not be the most gifted person. But if he walks in humility, God can utilize that humble person to transform this entire world. God will use a man who walks in humility and not in pride. Look at what the text says here. In the same way, you who are what? Younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you. Dress yourselves, what? In humility as you relate to one another. For God does what? Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if I'm walking around in self-pride, then I'm at enmity with God. I'm at odds with God because God can't stand that proud look. That, 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 that pride says that I got this, God. I don't need you in, this, in, in the middle of my business right now. I don't need Pastor Adam to tell me how to run my house. I don't need uh, Sister Adam to, to tell me how to, to do whatever. I, I, I'm my own man. Let, let me tell you something. That prideful stance will get you in a whole lot of trouble with God. 
Because the Bible says he hates the proud. Look, he opposes the proud, but he does what? Gives grace to those who walk in humility. Look at verse number six with me. Come on, let's go. Watch this. So we're talking about if we're gonna if we're gonna draw close to God, we gotta submit to God, we gotta resist the devil, we gotta lead a pure life, we gotta show sorrow and grief for our for our sins, and we gotta humble ourselves before God. And then watch him lift us up. Look at what the text says. Read it says what? So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, if I say right time, the right time is God's timing. Some people try to get ahead of God's timing. Sometimes we think we're ready for something that we're not ready for. You know what I learned in my life is, is to let God open the door of opportunity for me. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm, I'm going to pursue God. Uh, I don't know everything, and I don't pretend to know everything. But when God says move, I move. That's all I need to know. When God says move, I move. When God says go, I go. If you don't say move, I don't move. If you don't say go, I don't go. And every time God opens the door of opportunity, he, he, he allows me to walk through it, and I'm appreciative of the fact that I've learned how to, to, to wait on his time. So humble yourself under the right hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. He will do it in honor. Look at verse 7. With Watch this. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Watch this. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's crucially important, guys. That, that scripture is, 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 I quote it all the time. In the KJV, it says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So if you find yourself worrying today, listen to me, all you old Christians who worry. If you find yourself worrying today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to start casting. Because if you're worrying, that means you're not casting. Make no point about it. The Bible says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So if you are worrying, that means you're not trusting. If you're worrying, that means you're not casting. You know what it means to cast? That means to throw. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So I got to, and you have to as a believer, learn how to throw our issues and our problems over on the Lord. Those wall situations, the journey through the wall, when I'm going through that journey through the wall, I got to throw it over on the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I don't understand exactly what all has happened here. God, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm disillusioned, I'm confused, but Lord, you know what? I'm going to trust you. You told me in your word, cast all of my cares upon you, for you care for me. Lord, I don't understand. I'm going to be honest with you. Talk to the Lord that way. Lord, I, Lord, I'm hurting right now. Lord, I, Lord, you know, I don't understand why it happened the way it happened, God. And really, Lord, if you really don't know the truth, God, I think it was unfair. But I trust you. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to continue to study my Bible. I'm going to continue to pray for you. And God, I give you this situation because I don't have the resources, the talent, or the time to get it done. But Lord, I know you do. So you got to talk to God that way. Come on, you're his child, right? You should be able to go to your father and talk to him and tell him what's going on on the inside of you. He, are, he, he let, me, let me clue you into it. He already knows. He already knows what you're thinking. He's just waiting on you to cast it. As long as you will carry it, he'll let you carry it. I'm going to say it again. As long as you insist on carrying it, God will let you carry it. 
Well, you know, the Lord, I just asked the Lord to take it from me. No, the Lord told you to cast. He's sitting on there waiting for you to cast and you wait on him to take it. Y'all are the impasse. God says, throw it over on me. I'm able to carry it. Somebody said he's a burden bearer. He's a heavy load carrier. Anybody know him to be a burden bearer? I found him to be a burden bearer. I, I, I found him to be, come on, that doctor in the sick room, that lawyer in the courtroom, the bridge over troubled waters. I found him to be that in my life. So listen, I told you before, you should have caught me before I, before I learned that God was faithful. It's too late now. God has done too much in my life for me to turn around now. I'm going to cast my cares on him and I refuse to worry. I may not understand how he's going to work it out, but I'm going to trust him that he will provide. So humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. That's how we get close to God, humility. Submitting, resisting, leading a pure life, showing godly sorrow. So let's, let's go to the next, next point on key application point uh, from the book of James. Self-confidence and self-reliance can hinder your faith in God. Self-confidence and self-reliance can hinder your faith in God. Let's go to the 13th verse and go read down through verse number 17. Self-confidence and self-reliance. Here's where some of you all are. Listen to me carefully. Here's where some of you all are. You're relying on yourself. You're relying on your skill set. You're relying on your, on your, on your, on your career and, and, and your job. But I'm here to tell you right now, your job could be taken away just like that. Ask some of these folks who lost their jobs during the pandemic and now standing two and three hours in a, in a food, line, food bank line to get food for their family. Never thought they'd be there. It could happen. Let me, let me ask you a question. If that happened to you, will you still trust God? Watch this, watch this. Self-confidence, okay? Self-confidence and self-reliance can hinder your faith in God. Look at, look at James 4 and 13. Watch this. Look here. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to do a certain, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. That's what you said. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? <laughs> your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. If I hadn't learned anything else, I've learned about the brevity of life the older I get. It, it seemed like to me when I was a teenager, summers lasted almost a year. Anybody remember that? You played all summer long, but now, man, when, when, when June hits, it's already September. January is already over, guys. It looks like it's just started. <laughs> now, now I, 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 I kind of favor relate to what, what that song says, time is filled with swift transition. It changes quickly, amen? And, and so, so, so he says here, how do you know that what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Look at verse number 15. Watch this, guys. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. If the Lord's will, if the Lord wants me to, we'll do this and do that. Watch the next verse. Let's read. It says what? Uh, otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. That's what the word says. Look at, look at the next verse. Remember, it is, a, it, it is sin to know what you, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Watch this now. Again, 
Listen to that real carefully. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Some of us are preoccupied with sins of commission. In other words, we did something that God told us not to do. But it is just as much a sin to know what the Bible says and then you don't do it. I mean, you didn't go and steal. You didn't go, you didn't go and lie. You didn't go and commit adultery. But God told you to go do something, but you didn't move. He told you to support your work of ministry, but you did, you, you said, well, nah, <laughs> you know, I, I just, that ain't for me, uh, Brother Peter. He told you to, to go over there and, and bless uh, the Jones family that lives next door to you that, that lost a job, but you refused to go because you, th- you said, well, you know, last time they, 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 they drove by me, they didn't speak. Now you go with your petty, offendable self. Grow up, amen. Listen to me. As a pastor... If I, if I, if I was petty like that, a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all in here we'd be having conversations with because I know you talk. See, when you're in leadership, you got to learn how to have thick skin. And you got to love people through their pettiness and through their baby stage. Hello? Can I get a witness? So I love, I, I love some of y'all. I hug some of you when I know you've been talking about me. Hey, Amen. Because I didn't, again, that's what comes, that comes with the territory. And parents, hear me carefully, parents. Stop trying to be your child's friend, best friend. And parent that child. Those that are in your house and those that are outside of your house, quit enabling them. And be a, a wise counsel, a wise sage for them and, and teach them how to live life. We do our children a disservice by spoiling them. Yeah, y'all ought to clap on that. You ought to, come on, give me, give me a clap on that. And maybe you one of the ones who spoil your children. But let me tell you something. This generation of children don't know how to persevere. And, and it scares me because I think part of the problem is, is that we cultivated a, a groups that have came through childhood, now they're in, a, in the young adulthood, and they can't, they don't know how to deal with problems. They just, it just blows their minds. They'll just, they'll quit when things don't go their way. That's why they, they in, in five years, they've had six jobs. And they think it's everybody on the job. But it's them. We got we to gotta teach them how to persevere, learn how to stand, and having done all to stand, keep standing. On the things of God, amen? So, so human beings are not in ultimate control of their lives, even though we, have, we live under the illusion that we are. We think we're in control. It's whatever the Lord's will. God alone is the true sovereign God of the universe. And, and there's a common thread that, that flows through. I want to read some scripture to you right quick. And there's a common thread that goes through all these scriptures. I want you to check it out. And I want you to start utilizing this when you start talking. When you start planning, go to Acts 18, verse 19 through 21 right quick. Come on. We got to move. Acts, the 18th chapter. Glory to God. And see if we can get this. It says they stopped first at the port of Ephesus where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. The text says they asked him to stay longer, but he declined. Listen to this. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later. God willing. Everybody say God willing. Then he set sail for Ephesus. Go to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And let's look at verses 
First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, look at verses 18 through 19 right quick. First Corinthians chapter number four, and we'll look at verses 18 through 19. The text says, some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth because there were some in the church of Corinth had begun to challenge Paul's apostolic authority over that church. And they got really arrogant and rude in talking about Paul. Paul says, some of you have become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again. Look at the next verse. That's what? But I will come and soon if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. Paul said, now if I come, it's the Lord let me now. We're going to find out who's really got the power of God or who's just pretending. Let's go to one more. All right. Look, look with me. Uh, go to the 16th chapter of that very same uh, book. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 5 through 7, right quick. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 16, chapter, verse 5 through 7. I want you to see this because when we, we sometimes get ahead of ourselves, but notice the common thread. I am coming to visit you after I have been to Macedonia, for I am planning to travel through Macedonia. This is Paul talking. Look what he says. Perhaps I will stay a while with you, possibly all winter, and then you can send me on my way to my next destination. Verse 7 says what? This time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. Y'all see the common thread? If the Lord will let me. If it's the Lord's will. One more. Let me give you one more just for good measure. Go to Philippians, the second chapter. Verse 19 and then verse number 24. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 and verse number 24. We got to realize that we are not in control. Text says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, Paul says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. How you are getting along. The Philippian church, the saints at Philippi. Look at verse number 24, that very same chapter there. Glory to God. Text says this, and I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. I have confidence from the Lord. So Paul, throughout his time, will always say, if the Lord's will. You know, if the Lord's will, we're going to do this. If the Lord's will, we're going to do this. And, and I, I've learned how to trust in the fact that if the Lord's will, we'll do that. Can I get a witness? And so, so, so don't be pretentious. So self-confidence and self-reliance can hinder your faith in God when you trust and depend on yourself. Instead of trusting in our finite and temporal selves, it's much wiser to trust in the infinite, internal God who reigns from heaven. Look at Proverbs 16 and 9. I got to show you this right quick, okay? Are y'all still tracking with me? Because I want, I want this church to be a church that trusts God with all the heart, mind, and soul. I don't care what you've been through. And listen to me very carefully. And, you know, uh, you've had some wall experiences in your life, in personal relationships. But don't let that be the defining thing in your life. It can help shape your faith if you go through it the right way. But don't let bad choices and bad decisions in the past define who you are going forward. And don't let the devil and people try to hold you to that bad decision that you made five years ago. But God has forgiven you. He's released you. And he set you on a pathway to, to, to honor him with all your heart, mind, and soul. We got to start learning how to move forward, okay? We can make our plans, the Bible says, but the Lord does what? Oh, y'all got to read that with me out loud. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines what? 
our steps. So self-confidence and self-reliance can hinder your faith in God. When you're trusting and depending on you, your intellect, your monetary resources, and, and thinking that you got it all together. Let me tell you something, baby. You can have money today and money be gone tomorrow. It can take wings and do what? Fly away. So don't trust in uncertain riches, the Bible says, but trust in the true and the living God. Look at this next one. The next key concept is the love of money can distract you from faith in God. The love of money can distract you from faith in God, guys. James indicates that money and wealth can be a big distraction from faith and commitment to God. Look at verse one of James chapter number five with me right quick. And then we're going to jump over to first Timothy six. I got to finish this up. Look here, you rich people. (laughs) Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Text says this, next verse. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eating rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers from you, field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's army. Look at the next verse. It says what? Uh, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Verse six, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. James is saying that money and wealth, these, the, the, now, James was not saying it's wrong to be rich. He says it's wrong to be rich and not in connection with God, to be, to, to, to have Earthly wealth, but no spiritual wealth. Go with me right quick to First Timothy chapter number six. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter number six, and let's look at verse uh, seventeen. Go to, go to verse seventeen. First Timothy chapter six, verse number seventeen. Now, how many of y'all, how, how many of y'all uh, would wouldn't mind being rich? Oh, so y'all, y'all think? Look at, look at y'all. Y'all say, I don't want to be rich. I just read about the rich man. Listen. Guys, God doesn't have a problem with you having resources. Because if you've got resources, you can be a blessing to somebody else. The problem that God has is when you trust in that stuff and you don't trust in him. Watch what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 17. Y'all there with me? Come on, let's go. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable, it is, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Look at 18 and 19. Let's go, guys. Ready, read. This is what? Tell them to use their money to do what? To do good. So God will bless you with resources so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Next verse says what? Watch this. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience what? That they may experience true life. That they may experience true life. Now, guys, this, this is real important that we, that we understand that, this is, that, that, that God doesn't have a problem with us having resources. He just has a problem with us when we start trusting in the resources, okay? It's the love of money 
That's the root of all evil, not money itself. Amen? Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, this building that is now paid for could not have been paid for had not we, you had money and I had money and we sold into the gospel kingdom. Can you thank God for a paid off building? Come on. And here's, here's, here's the, the ironic thing about it. God allowed us to bless us to pay it off last January, right before the pandemic hit. But even during the pandemic, God has been faithful. Come on. God has still sustained this church. God has blessed us to be able to, to, to ramp up what we needed to, to, to live stream, to keep people connected. It costs money to connect folk. Y'all know that, don't you? If you knew how much money it costs to connect folk, you'd be scratching your head sometimes. But, but it, it costs to do it the right way. So God has blessed this church to continue to be able to do, go forward. So listen, I don't care what happens. I'm, I've, I've learned how to trust God. Because I know he will provide. But the love of money can distract you from your faith in God. If you, if, if you spend all your time working but don't have time to get with God, something's wrong. You need, you, need, you need to redirect your thinking. If your job has you in a position where you say, I don't have time to get with God, that job is too, it's, it's now become uh, your, your priority. So you need to make some adjustments. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who it is today. Because there are too many of us who are believers who are saying, are telling God that we don't have time to be with him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, you can't cultivate a relationship with God when you never spend any time with him. Amen? And time with him means prayer time and word time. And, and, and if you don't do that, guys, there's no shortcut to getting to God. There's no cliff notes to a deeper relationship with God. He requires us to come to him. He requires us to spend some time in his word as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that we may what? Grow thereby. So the love of money can distract you from faith in God. The faith life, the next one, the faith life is a life of patient endurance. We got to endure patiently. The truth, the faith life is a life of patient endurance. James closed out this epistle by encouraging the readers to patiently endure their sufferings in view of their faith in the future prospect of the coming of the Lord, guys. See, you know, there, there are going to be some things that we got to go through as a church. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not geared up, prayed up, you won't be able to stand in these last and evil days. God is calling on the church to be a, a, a credible living witness of his power and his authority in the earth. So we got to make sure that we move. Look at, look at the seventh verse, 7 through 12 right quick. Come on, let's go. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 12. Let's look at that real quickly. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming back? How many of y'all know that he's going to crack the sky? How many of y'all know the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord? There is a coming, catching away of the church. I'm looking for that great getting up morning, guys. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Look at the next verse. You too must be patient. How many of y'all are impatient? Come on, be honest. How many of y'all have been impatient? You, you, you got tired of waiting, so you decided to do it on your own. You were trusting and believing God for that it, that thing, but you decided to go charge it. And I'm not saying that using a credit card is evil or wrong. 
But you, you're the one that said God was going to provide. Well, you did. Preacher gave me a card. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trust God. Trust him. Just listen. Uh, this, this, you know, in, in, in the next, next week, just believe God for something. Even though you, listen, you may have the resource for it. Believe God to, to provide uh, uh, the resource to get something done. Just learn how to trust him. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Next verse, let's read. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. How many of y'all been grumbling about other Christians? In your own household. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Next verse, let's read. says what? Uh, we give great honor to those who, are, who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, right? God restored double what he had before. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Verse 12 says what? But most of all, my brothers have never taken oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Are you going to go with us uh, to the outreach? Man? Yeah, I'm going. You sure? Yeah, I swear for God. You got to do that. Just, just yes, be yes, and you know, be no. How many? I swear for God. Learn how to let your yes be yes, and you know, be. And don't and don't do this, guys. Hear me carefully. Some of y'all are bad about this. Are you going to be going to your? Well, I plan on it. And while you saying you plan on it, you know you ain't coming. While you saying you plan on it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Or here, here we go. I'm going to try to make it. You don't try to go to work, do you? I'm going to try to go to work. No, you go. If you don't have anything else in your calendar plan, you know you can go, but you sit there and say, I'm going to try to make it so that you have an out because all along you know you're really not, your heart ain't in and you don't want to go. Guys, let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. Amen. So the Bible says that most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take a no by heaven or uh, any, anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Okay. So the faith life is a life of patient endurance. Okay. Regardless of trials that inevitably going to surface in life, believers can rest assured that God has a purpose in allowing his children to encounter these trials. Faith helps us to patiently endure. If you don't have faith, you will not patiently endure. Last one, guys. Last concept. The faith life is a life of prayer. It's a life of prayer. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up, James 5, 13 through 15. It's a life of prayer. Now, all of us, if, if we're honest, we can raise our hand and say we don't pray enough. I don't, I don't, I don't know too many people who, who will say, I pray, I pray too much, Pastor. <laughs> the Bible says men ought to always pray and not faint, not lose heart. And so all of us need to have a more fervent prayer life. And I'm going to tell you something. When you're going through something, your prayer life will get more fervent. Can I get a witness? It'll get more fervent when you're going through that wall, won't it? Yep. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should do what? Call 
for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. When you get sick and then don't tell nobody that you're sick and then get mad because nobody call you. They didn't know you were sick. You know, I have people to do that. Well, pastor ain't called me. I didn't know you were in the hospital. I didn't know you were sick. He said, are any of you sick? You should, you who are sick should do what? Should do what? Do what? Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. When someone anoints you with oil, that's not voodoo. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit's presence. And they are anointed with oil uh, as a a point of contact to release your faith, okay? So you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, watch what happens. It says, well, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you commit any sins, you will be forgiven. So guys, the faith life is a life of prayer. James says, instead of going it alone through trials and tribulation, it is better to turn to God in prayer with the faith that God answers prayer. And such prayer can bring healing, both spiritual and physical healing. I still believe in the anointing, healing power of Holy Ghost. I I still believe that we can stand in faith and believe God for healing. Amen. I still believe that God uses physicians to heal, to perform the procedure because God is the one that heals the body. Even though a doctor can do a surgical procedure, that don't mean that you're going to get well. So it's God that has to bring the healing. The body is a magnificent machine, so to speak. It has so much intricacy involved in it and that you, you would be amazed when you read about how the body uh, reacts and responds whenever some foreign object comes into it. God designed us in a, such a miraculous way, guys. And so, so, so I believe in the prayer of healing, both spiritual and and physical healing, and we rob ourselves of blessing when we neglect prayer. So lastly, the faith life is a life of prayer. Guys, if we will learn how to adhere to these concepts, we'll see God moving in a powerful way. God loves every last one of you in here. As your pastor, man, I love every last one of you. And my desire is to see you grow and develop. My desire is not to see you come and sit. But only you can decide if you're really ready to grow. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to take you getting connected to the discipleship training to grow. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to spending time with God in prayer and study. And so I want to encourage you Connect. I don't care. Listen, the day is a new day. Stop worrying about what happened last week. Learn from it and, and let's set our heart to grow and be that person that God wants to do. So when we come to that wall, that the wall, the, the wall is going to test your faith. And, and, and God's going to allow walls, those, those experiences, those, those, those tragedies, those things that turn your world upside down. He allows that so that he can shake, shake us back to a point where we'll look up toward him. He's trying to get us to focus in on him. And if he has to take us through the wall, that's what it do. All of us do. All of us have to go through it because none of us are where we need to be. Amen. Let God use you in kingdom building purposes. Every head, body, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.